Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Balance 365 Life Radio Podcast. Today we have a special guest for you who also happens to be a good friend of mine, Libby Trausch. Libby is a doctor of physical therapy and owner of Breathe PT in Des Moines, Iowa. After 10 years in the field, Libby has specialized her practice in persistent pain, women's health, and pelvic floor dysfunction. Her treatment techniques are based on movement and posture retraining, quality manual therapy, and yoga. Her expertise is in helping people with the most complicated medical history see a way forward, find relief, and even more importantly, rediscover hope. What I love about Libby is that she's made it her mission to help women maintain or return to activities they love while resolving pain and symptoms. I've personally seen Libby for physical therapy myself, as well as referred many women to her. On today's episode, we provide a real and honest discussion about what a woman can expect from her first women's health physical therapy appointment. We cover all the questions like, do I have to get naked? Will they do an internal exam? And when is a good time to make an appointment? It's full of great information. Before we dive in, though, I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss any juicy episodes. And if you like what you hear today, we're always down for a rave review on iTunes. Enjoy. Libby, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. How are you? I am wonderful, though. You know, we're recording this at nine o'clock at night and it's kind of my bedtime, (laughs) but I'm hanging in there. (laughs) I know. I appreciate you. Not only did you turn this around in one day, but you're doing it way past your bedtime. So I appreciate you showing up for us. And Jen, you can't see Jen, but Jen is um, actually in my basement right now. I'm upstairs in my office. Jen's in my basement and she's like wrapped up in a blanket yeah, right now. Yeah, because I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, the Arctic. <laughs> which Sounds like Annie which, keeps her house at Arctic temperatures. It's very cold in here. Very. <laughs> you know, better too chilly than too hot. I mean, you can always add layers, right? Yes. That's or true. A <laughs> Or a blanket in the middle of summer. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, whatever. To each their own. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about how I actually got to know Libby. And I think I maybe just Googled your name for a pelvic floor physical therapist. Does that sound right? I very clearly remember the email that I got from you that said something about, I'm looking for a pelvic floor PT. Could you tell me a little bit about your influences or something like that. And so I went into all my influences and you were like, sold. You are exactly the person I was looking for. You would quizzed me and I gave you the right answers. Well, because I was looking for a referral to um, send women in our community to uh, a pelvic floor physical therapist. And what I learned and uh, what Jen and I want to talk about is that um, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, you've had some additional training, correct? Like not all physical therapists are specialized or qualified in the pelvic floor. Is that correct? 
Right. So I have a doctorate in physical therapy. And then nine years ago in August, I took my first pelvic floor physical therapy class that is in addition to a regular physical therapy education. And so I've had several other classes and trainings in addition to a regular physical therapy education. Plus I taught the content at um, Des Moines University here in Des Moines to students and have had um, additional like yoga training and other training on my own. So it's, you know, the pelvic floor is one of my specialties, but it's really just part of the bottom of the pelvis. So I consider myself an orthopedic specialist, but I know pelvic floor really well too. Because you personally do, um, I'm, I guess I would assume that you see a lot of your clients for pelvic floor issues, but you treat the whole body, not just the pelvic floor. Right. A good majority of people come to see me because they have some kind of a pelvic issue. And then I say, well, do you also have any neck pain, headaches, knee pain, ankle pain, anything else, back pain going on? And then we just incorporate all of the pelvic floor stuff into full body exercise that improves posture from the neck down or feet up or pelvis out from the foundation outward. Libby, in my experience... Um, the pelvic floor physiotherapists, or I guess physical therapists, as you call yourselves in the U.S., right? <laughs> Whatever yep. you want to call them. Right? <laughs> the ones I've worked with that have been amazing, they always look at the whole body. In addition, it's it's um, it seems like it starts at the pelvic floor, but it expands outwards. It's true. There are a lot of physical therapists that have are really good at pelvic floor stuff and might not be so great at looking at the entire picture. So I think that you can get with a pelvic floor problem, you can get relief or help from someone who just really kind of focuses in on the pelvic floor and doesn't see the whole rest of the body um, for that specific problem. You just might not right. get a full a whole body um, right. assessment. Right. From those people. It's complicated to see the whole body. And totally. I don't know how you guys do it. To have a very, very knowledgeable and have a certain type of brain, I think, to really get around that. Yeah. Uh, So, but what we really do want to spend the bulk of our time talking about is what a woman could expect from their first pelvic floor physical therapy appointment. And I think the first question I would like you to answer, Libby, in your experience, when should a woman see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Is it ever too soon? Is it ever too late? Just to preface that before we get into it, is that the I, I'm not sure where the bulk of your referrals comes from, Libby, but I would say um, in different places that I've been a trainer in, now that pelvic health is coming more to the forefront of people's minds and, you know, it's sort of, it's trending right now. Um, I think women are getting referrals from personal trainers as well as um, doctors, um, midwives, um, doulas even, and they're getting these referrals and they have no idea what they're getting into and what to expect on that first appointment. And we hear this frequently in our Facebook community. Women are posting and saying, I have my first appointment on Tuesday. What can I expect? 
So we send out a letter ahead of time and kind of just give a heads up that probably on your first visit, if the issue is vaginal or bladder related or bowel related, chances are good that we're going to do an internal measurement or assessment of the pelvic floor muscles. So we send out a letter ahead of time so that it's not a big surprise when they show up. Um, so on the first visit, we spend a lot of, so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out like understanding what the problem is. Um, and then I always get out my pelvic model and show what is in, wh where the pelvic floor muscles are and why they're important and how they work together with the abdominal muscles and the diaphragm and how they incorporate in the hips and how they're just a set of muscles, but they're on the inside of the pelvis. And I describe where the urethra is and where the vagina is and where the anus is and how the only way to get to those muscles to assess effectively is to check internally. I always tell them that this is not like any other internal measurement or assessment of your of that you've ever had before because usually obstetricians or gynecologists uh, or midwives are using a speculum because they want to see what's inside the vagina. Um, pelvic floor physical therapists don't usually look, we're not usually too interested in what we can see inside the vagina, though we do tend to look at the outside and see if there's anything that's, that's out of the ordinary that might give us a signal of what's going on with the muscles. So we take a glance at the outside. Like scar tissue or... Yeah, we're looking for scar tissue or any kind of... Sometimes there's prolapses. So sometimes we can see like um, a loss of support. So okay. sometimes we can like look a bulging at the opening. Or, yeah. Bulging or um, even some people have... We've talked a lot about how overactive pelvic floor muscles, we look at the outside and people with overactive pelvic floor muscles, it can look like the perineum is up too high. Right. So just a, a quick assessment just to see what the outside looks like. Um, and then we don't have to. We never have to do this on the first visit. We always ask permission if it's okay. We can do a lot of assessing of looking at hip range of motion and back range of motion and look at abs and strength of the hips and posture and just get comfortable with each other on the first visit. We never have to do an internal assessment if someone is uncomfortable with it. And very rarely after we describe everything, talk about the anatomy, why we need to check the muscles, what's it, what is what we're going to do, why is it important, almost every time. I mean, I can only think of maybe two people in nine years who have said, I really don't want to do it today. And that's cool. That's just right. fine because we can do a lot externally. And I can... I can tell pretty well what's going on from the outside now, but not always, not, not great. So we check, um, I describe that we, I just use one finger and all I'm feeling for is what the muscles are doing. I want to know how well you can do a Kegel exercise, how well you can relax after we do a Kegel exercise. I want to feel the right side of the pelvic floor muscles and the left side of the pelvic floor muscle to see if they're the same or if there's differences from right to left. And then I kind of push on the muscles to see if there is, if there's discomfort, I want to push on the muscles to see if those muscles create that discomfort, um, which would give us an idea of what is causing the discomfort in the first place. And I often describe you know, how I got into being this kind of physical therapist. So it is even more, um, more clear to people. So I, I had pelvic floor problems myself. So I often tell that I have them. 
tell people to my story, which makes them feel even more comfortable. Right, right. There's just a level of empathy there that you know what's going on and you understand how they feel and you're there to help. Right. And most pelvic physical therapy offices are not most, they're all always private. It's not, Mm -hmm. nobody's doing an internal assessment of pelvic floor muscles in the middle of a busy physical therapy gym. It's always in a private room. It's always, um, you know, covered with a sheet. Usually most, um, most physical therapists don't have stirrups or anything like that. It's just a flat table with feet flat on the ground. Um, because the stirrups, they stirrups are meant to get the legs wide apart. So the, mm-hmm. so the practitioner can see inside, but since we're not right. looking internally, we don't need to have the legs spread so wide apart right. so we can keep the legs pretty close together. Right. Right. And Libby, um, you correct me if I'm wrong, your office in particular has maybe some instruments to also help you do um, an assessment. Are those internal as well? So are you talking biofeedback? Is that what you're yeah. thinking about? Yes. So biofeedback is, biofeedback is any sort of external um, way to see or f- understand a biological process. So our biofeedback is called surface EMG biofeedback and most physical therapists, that's what they have. So there's two different ways. What, what, what surface EMG biofeedback does is it picks up the electrical activity in the muscles and shows a picture on a computer screen or like on a handheld sort of, um, it looks like a little electronic device to show what the pelvic floor muscles are doing. Um, sometimes if necessary, we use internal um, sensors as well, but mostly that's outside. And for people who are really uncomfortable or for people who are on their periods and don't really want to do it today, they'd like to wait until next time. We can always use that external sensor on the outside as well. Um, What about in pelvic floor physiotherapy um, rectal exams? Do you do them and why would you need to do them? Well, there's this whole sex. They only have the one hole to get <laughs> pelvic floor muscles. Men. <laughs> so, so men have pelvic floor muscle, pelvic floor issues too. So, for to assess a male pelvic floor, we have to do it rectally. Um, okay. For a female, um, things like um, tailbone pain or um, really bad constipation or leaking poop fecal incontinence, um, anal pain. Sometimes people think they have tailbone pain, but then you really get down to it and it's really rectal pain. It's really like they had a severe tear after the baby was born and the tear goes all the way through to the anus and the anus Mm -hmm. is what's hurting. Um, so in that situation, then we do, um, opt for rectal assessments of the pelvic floor muscles. And, you know, nobody loves that. That's not super exciting for anybody. But most of the time, by the time people get to me with these issues, they just want to feel better and really, and and trust that we're doing the the right thing. Um, And and when we do a rectal assessment, we're feeling exactly the same thing that we're feeling vaginally. How well can you do a Kegel? How well can you relax after you do a Kegel? You know, if we do a rectal assessment, we can feel the tailbone where we can't couldn't feel the tailbone vaginally. We just can't get back far enough. So that would be all reasons to do a rectal assessment of the pelvic floor. Um, It's very different. The bulk of the pelvic floor muscles, like the majority of the pelvic floor muscles are more in the back. Like I love it when the Australians call it the back passage. (laughs) the 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 whole back portion of the pelvic floor is a lot bulkier. And so sometimes 
for like pelvic pain that we just can't get better vaginally, it's a like doing it rectally can be so much more effective. Right. I'm going to steal that term, the back passage. The back passage. <laughs> I like it. Antony Lowe is who I've heard say it most often. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like that. It's a perfect description. Um, so moving on after the exam, I and I know this is going to be such a gray, complex answer here, but can you talk to us about follow-up appointments? How long do you typically see a client? Um, like what can you expect as a game plan to walk away with? Well, um, you know, that's totally, totally, totally depends on what the problem is. Um, a lot of times for just simple, like the most simple, straightforward thing is stress incontinence, which is, you know, which is um, peeing your pants when you cough or laugh or sneeze or jump or even exercise. A lot of times with that kind of a thing, we really only need to assess the pelvic floor muscles internally once or twice, just to make sure, just to confirm that 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 the person feels what I also am feeling just to confirm that the pelvic floor muscles are doing what they think they're doing. Um, and something like that could be three to six visits total, just depends on how coordinated the person is, how, um, and I think a lot of people know how quickly they catch on to physical things, how, and, right. and exercise. Right. So people who are really have a lot of good body awareness, I mean, I've had people with really great body awareness who only need one or two visits and they've got it. Um, a lot of people with really great body awareness, I'd love to see them to come in quick after the baby's born. Let's just do a quick assessment, make sure everything's working like I think it is. And that's only one visit. Um, for things that are more complex, like pain, when there's pain and it can be a lot of visits. Sometimes it takes a long time for pain to, to resolve completely. Um, Sometimes there's complicated things like pain and weakness. And so when there's pain and weakness, somebody has to learn how to relax the pelvic floor muscles first before we can strengthen them. And that can take months. Right. Um, and there's a lot of, especially if it's, it, it depends on where the woman is in or man in their healing process. Depends on if I'm the first person they've seen or the 18th person they've seen. Like, or it depends on how, if it's pain, it depends on how long the pain's been going on. If they've only had, if the pain's only been going on for a little while, it goes away a lot faster. If pain's been going on for three years, it's going to take a lot longer to get it to, to ease up. So the answer is one visit to two years. Right. It depends. <laughs> Usually less than that. <laughs> It depends. Less than it's that. our favorite answer. And when it comes to exercise and nutrition questions, our answer is nine times out of 10. It depends. It depends. And we're not trying, that's not a cop out. It's just people are individual. And so like it's, there's so many various situations. I do want to add though, that, um, I came and saw you at like six weeks postpartum. I wasn't symptomatic. It was just a kind of good health checkup. Just as I was going to my six-week OB checkup, I think I came to you like the following week just to make sure everything was looking as it should. And uh, you gave me a, a few exercises for homework, and that was it. So I wasn't even symptomatic, and I still made an appointment and, and still got value out of it. How early postpartum do you like to see people, Libby? Okay, so incontinence is normal after a baby is born. 
it should be gone or almost gone by six weeks. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's really pretty normal to have some leaking after a vaginal delivery, but it should be gone or almost completely gone by six weeks. If it's not gone or, com or going away by six weeks, we really need to see somebody, um, see a woman after that. Um, if there's pain, if there's any kind of pain, I would love, as soon as she feels like leaving the house, I want to see, we would love to, uh, you know, within a week, even if she right. feels like leaving the house, if there's a lot of pain, there's so much. And in that situation, we're not doing an internal assessment. We're, you know, giving ideas for gentle exercises and how to use heat or ice or how to breathe or how to sit or how to breastfeed in a comfortable way. You know, there's so much more in the, in those first early weeks, we may not be even do an internal assessment, but there's so many questions we can answer. You know, we're really experts in what's going on down down there after a baby's born and there's so many questions right. that nobody knows the <laughs> answers to um it but the re, the answer that is my standard answer as soon as she as soon as we feel like leaving the house okay. is fine we don't yep. it doesn't need to be a standard wait a certain amount of time and we've talked a lot about pelvic health issues, but we should quickly touch on, we don't need to get into it too much, but I just want everyone to know that um, pelvic floor physiotherapists are typically the people you see for diastasis recti as well. Yes, yes, yes. And I would say, you know, it's, that's such a topic, isn't it? I could talk mm -hmm. to you about this one. for the <laughs> It's a huge topic, but I guess when women have diastasis recti and I refer them to pelvic floor physiotherapy, they're, they're asking me, why am I seeing a pelvic floor physiotherapist for something going on with my stomach? And then it's, it is, it's a huge explanation, but long story short is it's all connected. It's all connected. And I actually would, I would prefer to be called maybe a woman's health physical, physical therapist, therapist instead yeah. of a, instead of a pelvic floor physical therapist, just because like, or a women's physical therapist or a pelvic physical therapist, you know, something, um, because like I said, the pelvic floor is just one teeny tiny part of right. the whole rest of the system that we want to know what's going on there. You know, our, I'm really excited and really proud of the clinic that, that I own that we've, that's been in business for a year and a half. We really focus on being a women's ortho clinic. So any woman with any problem can come to our clinic and we all can address a diastasis or diastasis. I never know how to say it right. People ask me that all the time. Everyone in different countries it. says it differently. And I've lived in three, yeah. three different countries <laughs> as a new mom and everybody said it differently in every country. I said it depends on if you're Canadian or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it, it's just because not only a pelvic floor physical therapist, but a lot of extended study in prenatal and postpartum bodies and um, how that all works together. So most people who are interested in pelvic floor physical therapy are interested in women and pregnancy and postpartum. And that's just kind of how it all sort of fits together for the most part. I do like that term. I think that uh, women's health physical therapy is uh, considerably more all-encompassing. And yeah, more reflection of, of what yeah. you do. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've discussed the examination, the follow-up appointments greatly, very greatly depending on the individual and the issues at, at hand. Can you talk to us about the cost, the investment? Um, you know, do I need a referral from my OB sort of like the kind of the more back-end stuff? So in, so it, it, it depends. Um, so in the state of Iowa, in the United States, 
Um, you don't need a physician referral to see a physical therapist. There are states in the United States where you do need a physician referral to see a physical therapist. And I don't know how it is in other countries. Um, in Canada, U.S. and or sorry, in Canada, Australia and New Zealand, three countries I've lived, you do not need referrals. You can book unless you're going through a government um, subsidized program. So there's different cities in Canada have programs um, where pelvic floor physiotherapy is free, covered under health care, usually you need a more severe pelvic floor issue, like a fourth degree tear to get that referral. But um, otherwise you go through private clinics and some people's insurance will cover those appointments up to a certain amount. And some people like myself pay out of pocket for those appointments. So yes, insurance in the United States, most insurance covers pelvic floor problems of any kind, just fine. Um like at our clinic, we only take one insurance that is that is the easiest to work with, and um, so the only the only expense is whatever the copay is, or the coinsurance, or the deductible, or whatever your whatever your insurance um, responsibility would be. Otherwise, for again at our clinic, and I think this is pretty standard. It kind of depends across. Um, and if you didn't have that one insurance that we take, it is. Um, it's like $175 for the first visit and $100 for follow-up visits and um, so much worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah, that's similar to what I paid in Canada. I think I did, it was 160 for my first appointment and then around 100 for follow-up appointments. We try to keep it, we try to keep it pretty similar to what insurance would pay. We try not to mark it up to what our insurance contract would pay. I also found physiotherapists because I've referred a lot of women to pelvic floor physiotherapy and they, the majority of them that I've worked with have been, um, I don't know if it's intuitive thing or a female thing, but they have, the financial situation is maybe discussed and they have, you know, they've taken that into consideration when asking them to book follow-up appointments and prescribing the exercises and you know because if you can't afford it you can't afford it and if you can get there once every two months is better than never coming back kind of thing so uh, especially you know for for like I said simple incontinence we don't need a ton of visits and they don't need to be super frequent um it only depends on and it again it also depends on the coordination, like how easy it is to get the exercises. If, if somebody comes in and they're really can't figure out how to do a kegel, letting them go for a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month before the next appointment is not, that will turn out to be a waste of money because right. a, a month between an appointment would be, you forget exactly, you forget what you came in for the first time. Right. So we really take that into consideration and, 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 we do take the cost into consideration, but also like we really want you to get better. We take it into consideration, but we also want to make sure that we're doing the best to to get better. Right. Yeah, that's why it's actually, it's really fantastic when trainers and physiotherapists have a good relationship because I felt like my girls would go to, um, they'd come to see me first. So their first priority, you know, postpartum, what comes to their minds is fitness. 
they come and see me, I refer them to pelvic floor physiotherapy, and then I have open relationships, you know, with this pelvic floor physiotherapist, and I know what's going on with each of their bodies, and they're coming and seeing me three times a week, because it's just significantly, you know, less expensive than to going and see a pelvic floor floor physiotherapist, but at least you have somebody there that can reaffirm, you know, the strategy, Um, and we would always take time in our classes to you know, we take time to make sure they're doing their rehab exercises as well. So that relationship's always really nice when a woman can find that kind of relationship in her community. I almost feel like people like you are fewer and farther the, between than people like me. However, it, it is. I think it's, it's changing. Hard to find that. Yeah. Good. Women are, there are trainers interested in it. Yeah. I well, that's too bad that you can't find it here. But um, I where I'm where I came from in Canada, um, I was maybe the first in the city, perhaps. But but you know, and there's more courses popping up for trainers now too. Where previously those courses have all been for physiotherapists. I mean, the first course I went to was one of Julie Weeb's courses in Chicago, and her course was for physiotherapists. So there was a lot there that was just out of my scope. Um, But there wasn't anything for trainers back then. So that was my only choice. And, and, you know, I had to travel to Chicago from Canada. The course is very expensive. I couldn't use it for any continuing education. Um, But that's just, it was really what I wanted to do. So, um, but yeah, now there's more that are very specific for personal trainers, which is fantastic for the fitness community. And I've been working with people like I've been trying to meet with anybody who's interested to I I will talk to you and teach you because I want places to send people to exercise to practice this stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I will add um, something about the connection between a personal trainer and um, a pelvic floor physical therapist or a women's health physical therapist is, and this is what I love in particular about you, Libby, is that you were willing to um, adapt and work with my exercise preferences. Uh, I was really hesitant to attend um, an appointment with the anticipation that you were going to say, no, we can't do any of that. You've got to stop XYZ right now. And that wasn't my experience. You were like, okay, how can we work with this? So you're pain-free, you're symptom-free, we're moving in the right direction versus just a hard no. Oh, heavens. Yes. I really, um, no, I want everybody to do whatever it is that they enjoy doing and we can figure out a way to make it keep happening. You know, if in the situation of heavy lifting, I might ask you to back off some of the weight for a while while you figure out the the coordination of it, but there's always a way to do what you want to do, whether it's, um, gosh, you know, if you want to heavy lift, maybe we might need to throw in a pessary so that you can do what you want to do. There's like, there's always something, you know, I just had somebody just, she had hip pain with running. She, she really wants to be able to run, you know, 13 miles at a time and 25 miles a week. And she's got this really bad hip pain. And she's like, do you just really think I need to stop running? I'm like, no, how can you run without it hurting? Oh, it starts to hurt about four miles. I'm like, well, let's just keep it about like 3.8 miles for now Mm -hmm. as we build up the, you know, build up that there's no, no, there's, you know, very, very occasionally I might say, you know, if you cannot do any of this exercise without having symptoms, no matter what we try, you might have to back off of it for a little while. But almost always we can find a way to keep doing whatever it is you love to do 
that's my whole, that's like my whole goal in life is to keep people doing the things they love doing, not just without, without, that's, it really is my whole goal in life to keep you doing what you love to do. That's right. awesome. Um, the other thing I think is worth noting too, uh, for any of our listeners that haven't been pregnant or given birth, um, you can still have uh, pelvic floor issues, symptoms, dysfunction, even if you haven't carried a child or given birth. This happens in non-childbearing women as well. For sure. I mean, personally, my pelvic floor problem started before I had a baby and I didn't really understand at all how it all worked together. Um, but my pelvic floor problems certainly may have trouble once I knew about. So I had pain with sex at first and I went to all these different doctors and said, there's a scratch inside of me. There's like a <laughs> scratch. There's a raw open sore. And, you know, they all looked inside and said, no, there's nothing there. Here's some medicine. It's probably a yeast infection. Um, and then come to find out on one of my clinical rotations, I was telling her about my back and my hip pain. And she's like, does sex hurt? I said, yes. So she did an internal assessment on my pelvic floor muscles and she pushed on a muscle knot that was exactly the sharp scratch feeling that right. I was feeling. And this was when I was 26 or something. This was before I had any, this was before I had, um, kids. Um, so that was when I just, dis- and, and she said, okay, and do a kegel. And so I pushed out, like I was having a bowel movement because that's what I thought. And this was while I was in PT school. I thought I was a super smart physical therapist and like knew all about all my muscles. Um, so I was bulging instead of pulling up and in to do a kegel. So my pelvic floor problems certainly started before I had children, but then I know then I'm a hundred percent certain, like 150,000% certain that because I had really overactive pelvic floor muscles, I ended up with a C-section with my first for failure to progress. On my second, I had a severe tear, even though I had invaginally, I had a severe tear, but I learned a lot after that second one. And by the time I had my third one, I spent that entire third pregnancy relaxing, relaxing, relaxing. And he just kind of fell out and there was no more. (laughs) My body just did it. I didn't really push. He just kind of came out when my body contracted on its own. But I, I do think, and I will tell you that he is my most chill child. I relax, I focused the most on relaxing during that third pregnancy. So ladies, you hear that? Relax your pelvic floor muscles. <laughs> You'll have a relaxed baby. That's totally <laughs> That's the connection. Right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a study on that. Um, the other thing I want to say too is that you can go see a pelvic floor physical therapist while you're expecting as well. Oh my gosh, this is my new favorite thing is seeing women in their second and third trimesters and assessing pelvic floor to see if they know how to push. Right. We we did a podcast on this. It was just we kept it strictly to pregnancy and pelvic floor physiotherapy. And unfortunately, a lot of women just don't know they can do this until they have a problem. You know, it's more of a reactive. It ends up being more of a reactive thing like going to the doctor rather than a proactive um, right right most of the people that we see with that have have had a problem in the uh uh, earlier pregnancy and they want to prevent it with a a next pregnancy or it's a doula or like a really astute home birth midwife you can go for good health you can go for just a checkup just i mean if that's in your time and budget um you can you can do that you don't have to be in pain to make sure that everything's working as it should. Honestly, I think if you are, if you, or if a woman, if specifically related to childbirth, if a woman 
expects to do high level of exercise, like any sort of heavy lifting or running or a lot of like, um, um, like boot camp style workouts, I really think that every woman should just get a quick checkup. Let's just make sure everything's where, where you think it is and here, you know how to do those exercises and let's, let's reassess posture quick to make sure posture changes so much with pregnancy and that and pelvic floor is just part of it. So let's, let's have a quick talk about how to get your glutes to fire and how your pelvic floor is doing. And just a quick, like, just a quick checkup. Yeah. As far as returning to exercise, um, I am more comfortable with a pelvic floor physiotherapist clearance to exercise than I am the doctors. The doctors have their place, but when they do their exam at six weeks postpartum, they're more looking for um, tissue healing and things like that. Is that right? Maybe? They are almost entirely checking to see if your uterus has shrunk down to normal size. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're, so that's their place. And the and cervix then, is closed. Like that's basically right. what they check for. And then a pelvic floor physiotherapist can pick up there and they, you are going to be assessing function and muscular coordination and healing. Um, yeah. And, and your readiness to exercise and handle the pressure of exercise. Right. You know, the, one of the things is people will, they will say, okay, it's six weeks, go have sex, go exercise. I mean, gosh, if you've been waiting six weeks to start walking as just an exercise, that's kind of a long time. You right. know, you should be out walking, getting moving much earlier than six weeks for, um, you know, postpartum depression avoidance and for feeling good and getting the endorphins flowing and taking the baby out in the sunshine. Like, should be getting some mild exercise much earlier than that. But yes, I agree. Physical therapist can assess how well the pelvic floor is for higher level for any sort of jumping, any sort of heavy, heavier lifting, or even, um, yeah, that kind of thing. I agree. You're exactly right. And, and, a, and a midwife, obstetrician, gynecologist, whoever's checking is also checking to see like, okay, your scars healed or this tear right. is doing fine. Yeah, definitely. They're assessing for that kind of thing too. Right. But that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Libby, do you have anything else to add before we uh, jump off here about what women can expect from their first appointment that we didn't cover already? I just to summer, just like a quick summary that that I think you should feel very comfortable with the pelvic floor physical therapist. Almost, you know, most of the people who get into pelvic floor physical therapy are really, really caring and want to give people the best explanation and really make a woman feel comfortable before doing anything internal. It should be a really comfortable, like way more comfortable, way more gentle than going to getting a speculum exam. Like it should be far less invasive yes. than that. It is. So I re I just had my annual physical and the last time I had an internal was by a pelvic floor physiotherapist and the difference is shocking. <laughs> shocking. So um, it is, It. I mean, as comfortable as an internal exam can be, you know, it is. Right. <laughs> as comfortable as it is. But the other thing is too, is that if you're not comfortable and you're really tense, that probably must make an assessment um, 
a little bit more difficult if a woman is really tense and not able to relax? Well, the wonderful part about physical therapies, for the physical therapist doing the assessment is we have really, really, really finely tuned sense of touch in our fingers and our hands. So we can be really gentle and like I can tell when it hurts and I can just barely touch and figure out what's going on without creating any more pain. Right. I don't have to put a speculum in and ram the muscles apart to see what's going on. I know, sorry, that was a little bit graphic. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks. (laughs) No PTSD. Sorry. (laughs) That is a pretty accurate description though. (laughs) So it should be far more gentle. It should be far less. It it could still be very uncomfortable if, if there's a lot of pain involved, but it should be far less uncomfortable than other kinds of internal assessments. Cool. Um, Libby, for any local listeners, can you tell them where they can find you? Thanks for asking. Um, it's Our website is www.breathedsm.com. And we just got a new phone number and I don't know it, so I can't tell you that. <laughs> but um, we're in Des Moines. It's Breathe Physical Therapy and Wellness. And I was really I was like, oh, I don't have anything on my website for out-of-town listeners yet, but someday soon we will. We'll have awesome. we'll have some things soon. That's awesome. Awesome. And you know what? Uh, you do um, your Facebook page has a lot of really great um, information. I mean, you sh- you do a lot of live videos and um, informational educational tools. So if uh, they want to check you out on Facebook, we can put that link in the show notes as well. You are so right. Thanks for remembering that. We really, 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 really are proud of our Facebook page. So go to our Facebook page even more than our website if you're an out of town. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for staying up past your bedtime. I hope I hope I hope you can sleep tonight. (laughs) uh, Now I'm going to be all revved up and I'm going to be it's going to be way past 1030 before I get to bed. (laughs) Moving on the dangerous side. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.